All right, this is Tuck Taylor. We're here with episode 13 of the Beast Thinking Podcast. Remember, our goal with the Beast Thinking Podcast is to help you engineer your brain for success. That's success in life, sports. Uh, Today is more of a life success or success in relationships. All right, so I'm here with the man himself, the Steve Jobs of the cognitive conditioning industry. Uh, very good friend of mine. I used to call him a colleague, but I, I, I kind of joke around and call him a colleague still. But he, we're actually really good friends now. Uh, Nick Davenport, a.k.a. Mr. Mental Muscle. Welcome back to the show for the third time, I believe. Bonjour. Yes, it's third time. All right. So uh, today we're going to be talking about relationships. If, uh, if you, any of you guys follow Nick on Facebook or Instagram, you see that he's not only about cognitive conditioning and uh, training the brain. He also has a huge, huge, huge psychology background, and uh, especially as it relates to um, human behavior and just how we interact with our environment, interact with one another. And so today, uh, per Nick, wanted to talk about <laughs> relationship acquisition. So. Nick, first, kind of give us some context on relationship acquisition. So, think of the term itself, acquiring a relationship. In this case, we're going to talk about romantic relationships. So, what are the mechanisms that's behind? How did you find that person? Mm. What are you doing? What are you not doing? Mm. What do you need to do? What do you want to do? Like you said earlier, we were discussing beforehand, auditing yourself. Like, what are the things you really technically want from another person? What are really the things you technically want for yourself? Because these are going to lend a hand. This is derived from psychology and better yet, relationship science, which is a form of psychology. It's basically just the the science of how we form bonds with one another, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like once we understand how we are and how people are in general, in a sense, as it applies to relationships, you can have a better outlook at least. I can't guarantee you're going to find the one, but you can have a better outlook on what could be. I like that. And I think that's very important, especially in today's time. I think everybody knows the statistics that more than 50 percent of marriages end up in divorce. And, you know, maybe having some of this prior information on uh, themselves, also in psychology and behaviors, uh, uh, behavioral psychology, they are able to actually attract and find and assess that person a lot more intelligently before making that huge commitment. All right, so the first topic we're going to talk about is just relationship science as a whole. So, Nick, explain to the people what relationship science is and then how it relates to relationship acquisition. So, yeah, so like I just said, it's how we go about forming close relationships that can be familial, that could be romantic, that could be friends. Mm -hmm. So for the sake of this conversation, we're going to focus just really on romantic. So when we say the science, you're saying what gets us there? Because when you think about science, it gets a term like beakers and chemistry and Bunsen burners. Like, you know what I mean? Right. Science just means the how. Right. If I have a method to figure out how can I replicate a process and figure out how it happens, and if it doesn't work, I try it again, that's a scientific method. Mm-hmm. So that's basically what relationship science entails. Now, we can go deeper. I won't go too much, but there's different things such as just like how do we form attractions? What are our attachment styles? Um, what are our like needs? Things like that, because that's going to shape how we get along with another person. Right. So that's kind of like the gist of what the overview. Yeah, it entails. There's a lot more to it, of course, but that's the gist of it. Well, we're gonna we're gonna go a little bit deeper. We're gonna go a little bit deeper. Uh, so that was a great overview on that. So uh, me and you in our kind of pre-podcast interview, 
we're talking about our own personal relationships. And uh, one of the biggest things we saw that is like at the end of the day, it's going to be proximity. It's going to be who you're around. Yes, you can be attracted to somebody, but like if you're not in an environment around people, you might not be able to attract anybody. So I'll go a little bit more on the kind of the law of proximity, how it relates to relationship science. Uh, it's proximity. Like the favorite thing I hear people say, say is, well, there's 7 billion people in the world. One of them going to like you. And why that's wishful thinking optimism It's kind of like, let's be real. Let's do some quick math. Not a math guy, but let's do some quick math. Out of 7 billion people, about a quarter to almost a third of those people are in India and China. Right. So you're talking about before we even get to any other region of America, let's say we're right in, let's use Clearwater, Florida, where we're at right now. Mm -hmm. Let's say that's where we're looking or the girl's looking, whoever. That's one region. Almost a third of them or a quarter of them are over there in Asia. Right. We haven't even ventured west. Right. Now, to be realistic speaking, we're only able to, like you said, date who's around us. Right. So when we talk about proximity, if we're not presented with options, we can't make up these fictitious 7 billion people because let's go into just male and female. We're going to get more math. Half of them are women. There's more women than men in the world. Mm -hmm. So a little more half is women. Now, if you go even deeper, half of those aren't even dateable because they're either too young or too, or too old. old. Right. So they're not even in your age demographic. So if we want to get mathematical, the odds really aren't in your favor. And people get this, this pseudo confidence of, oh, I can choose who I want. You can, mm -hmm. but you got to take into the parameters of what that choosing is going to do for you. Right. Because um, Ty Tashiro, shouts out to Ty Tashiro. Uh, I read his book years ago and he's a cool guy. I've actually messaged him a few times. I'm kind of a nerd. He's a psych expert. But he wrote a book called The Science of Happily Ever After. And he had a thing called the three wishes. Mm -hmm. So think of three wishes like a genie. So let's say we're dating. We'll use a woman looking for a viable man. So say we have 100 men in a room and she has to choose a viable option to date. I say her first wish out of three is she wants one of the most popular ones. You mm -hmm. already know what I'm about to yeah. say. Oh, yeah. Six feet and up. Right. Ooh, right. And for, funny thing is I'm six foot and a quarter inch and Tuck's like six, three-ish, six, four. So we both make that cut. So yes, we're in this room. We still standing. Me and Tuck still standing. But anyway... Statistics show that 20% of Americans, men, are over six feet. So if you do the math, 100 men went down to, what's that? Answer? 20. 20. We only got 20 men left now. Now, let's say her second wish. Let's say she's into politics. She's following the upcoming elections, Trump, Kamala Harris, whoever is trying to run. And she's like, I want a man who's Democratic like me mm -hmm. or a Democrat like me. Let's say, for the sake of argument, out of 20, 50-50. Right. So now we're going to have 10. 10 left. So you got 10. You had 100. 30 seconds ago. Right. 10 men still standing. I didn't disclose my personal beliefs, so I'm going to walk out the room. So I'm right. not in the room no more. I don't right. know about you. Right. I'm out of the room now. Right. So now you got 10 men. Okay. Let's say your third and final wish. Let's say you want a guy with a nice sense of humor. A guy can make you laugh. And studies show that that's a very good quality to have in any person, male mm -hmm. or female. Right? So let's say you want a funny man. Let's say out of that 10, three of those men, by your standards, have a good sense of humor. They made you have, laugh. You rubbed their arm. Oh, <laughs> right? So three of those men. So now you're like rubbing your hands together. Right. Yes, girl, you got three options out of the hundred you had five minutes ago. Right. But guess what the kicker is? They don't like you. Whew. How much you got now? That goose egg. Right. Zero. Right. You have zero options. Now, this is a far-fetched example, but if you look at the proximity theory of like who we have, if you have an ocean, right? You turn that ocean to a kiddie pool. Right. And if the kiddie pool says anyone in it, 
they gotta wanna swim with you. Right. So if they're not wanting to swim with you, you really have nothing. And this is why we have those terms like there's no good women or there's no good men. It's because we literally take our options. So what Ty said in his mm-hmm. book, look at it as a buffet, right? Don't look at your standards as a need all, end all be all, right? Mm-hmm. So when you're at the buffet, what do you usually do? You see, ooh, uh, this a little bit steak, of this, little a little bit, bit of that. Bit. Right. But do you eat it all? No. No, you never eat it no. all. But you know you want it because you can have it. Right. And I think that's where we mess up is we want it because we can have it. Right. But the fact is, we're only gonna really eat certain things. So. Make sure those things on your buffet plate are the things you truly want to eat. Mm. Six foot and up is great to have on your tray, mm-hmm. but are you really gonna digest that? Do you really need to eat that? Right. Is that gonna make you your butt look like what is you what are you truly going for? And this right. is gonna give headway to the other topics we're gonna talk about. But right. that's like the, the overview of how relationship science can be applied in real application, as you just saw. So you you think, you know, not even isolating women or men, do you think, you know, people in general, uh I wouldn't say set the standard too high, but have unrealistic expectations of what a successful relationship looks like and feels like. Like six six feet or up at the end of the day doesn't have anything to do with how good I'm going to treat you. It doesn't. (laughs) I've never even thought of it like that, but you're right. Right. Never. If there was a study, I haven't read it. Mm -hmm. I don't think there is a correlation between height and and treatment of the significant other. Right. But you're right. This is an arbitrary standard because six feet up, who made that the end all be all average of tallness? Right. Because if I put a six foot one guy and a five eleven guy next to you, and most people won't be able to tell the difference unless they really, really looked. Like if you're standing 20 feet away and looked over to your left and saw both guys standing together, you're not going to be like, dang, he's 5'11". Right. Get out of here. Right, right. So it's like, why put so much emphasis on one, something you can't even control? Right. That man can't control his genetic makeup? I, th- I, think, <laughs> I, I think as we get older, I know at least for I can speak for myself, my, my whole perspective on uh, what would make a really good mate has changed. And, and a lot of the qualities that I used to have have gone from less physical to more intellectual. To like, what is this person's personal oh, beliefs? Wow. What are this person's, what is this person's, you know, needs are? Which leads us into our next topic. You should get an Emmy for this. It's uh, emotional resources. So kind of talk about uh, the topic of emotional resources as it relates to uh, relationship acquisition. So I was at a neuro sport conference about three weeks ago. And unfortunately, Tuck couldn't come, but he, it was pretty good. There's some decent things I learned. But I was actually having drinks with some of the top minds in the field of neuroscience. And one was an evolutionary psychologist, which is basically the study of how our brains and behaviors evolved over time. Just like evolution will talk about how our bodies change over time. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so we talked about something, a theory I had about like wanting certain things out of a, uh, not necessarily a relationship, but to give me fulfillment in life and how that could affect relationships. So she told me something called emotional resources. And the thing is, what I was talking about literally mirrored what she was telling me. So I'm like, I was on to something. So let's paint another picture. The winter's coming. It's actually about to be winter in like two weeks. So we're in sunny South Florida, so it won't be too bad for us. But let's imagine we're in in uh, the Game of Thrones land. Where right. They say, brace yourself. Right, right. Winter's coming. So winter's about to come. We need to gather all our firewood. We need to get uh, blankets, fur, whatever, to keep us warm inside. We need to get uh, things to, to keep the fire ignited, like gas and whatever it may be, right? right. So we need to prepare food, stock up. These are our real resources in the real world. So use that analogy for emotional resources. So let's say, for example, in emotional standpoint, if I'm a person who puts a lot of emphasis on being with my friends, like I get a lot of fulfillment, not just from like feeling loved, but 
energy. Like I get life out of that. Mm-hmm. That makes me feel better to know my friend is texting me or right. my friend's calling me or I'm I'm going to get drinks with my friend. And there's nothing wrong with that. I think that's where we butt heads when we do look for a viable option, male or female, is that we take their standard or, or their emotional resources and we limit it to say that that's not good because they think that. No, they're entitled to that. 100%. Now, we talked about our personal, like me, I'll get some free game on me. If I'm dating someone or liking someone, my emotional resource is is not necessarily intellect. I call it like just mental stimulation. Right. Like it doesn't necessarily have to be a science or a book or nothing like that. It just something that's gonna make me think. Right. You know? Like if a girl knows I'm feeling her, she'll see me message her or text her something like a, a YouTube video of a random topic. I've done this before. I messaged a girl one time. Um, a video is like if the sun went out, how long will we last on mm. Earth? While that's not necessarily academic. In a sense, it is because you learn about science a little bit. But it was just funny to me. And I'm like, huh, if this would happen, it probably won't yet soon. But we won't be around for it. Probably another billion years. But the point is, if it did happen right now, it showed a lot of comical ways of how we would handle it. It'd be scary. It'd be cool. It'd be different. It'd be the end. And it actually said about a week. Wow. Before we just freeze over and die. But basically, the point is... That's what fulfills me. I like to learn stuff. Like, mm-hmm. like I have a mindset. Like, I'm all over the place. My brain's always craving stimulation. Right. There's actually, I got psychological reasons for that. But that's another story. We're getting the mental health topic another time. But it's like, I got to get that. So if I'm not getting that, that girl can never fulfill me. Right. And let's not say never. Let's rephrase. Uh-huh. It's going to be hard to fulfill me. Right. Like, let's say sexually. Mm-hmm. I can still get pleasure from that. Right. Don't get me wrong. I'm still going to get pleasure from that. Right. Or we go on dates and enjoy our company. I'm still going to get pleasure from that. Right. But there's going to be an emptiness that's going to be like, I'm unfulfilled. And that's like when um, we met. Now, so so here's yeah. a here's a kind of uh, a little interjection on that. So when we're talking about relationships... This, we didn't talk about this in the pre-interview, so this is a little bit of a curveball. Is uh, so the fact that you have part of what's going to make you fulfilled is that mental stimulation. Now, what if she's fulfilling you in the other areas, like we said, like sexually, like uh, any other things that you need fulfillment in as a human being? Uh, maybe she's a good homemaker. Maybe she's a good mother of your children. Uh, and you're getting your mental stimulations from somewhere else. So let's say you have another friend that you're getting mental mental stimulated. Does that does that cause a hindrance in the relationship? Does she have to be your end all be all? Does she have oh, to provide? No. Yeah. And well, so that's, that's that's kind of the curveball. Is like we do have things that fulfill us, but should we require our mate to give us that fulfillment? So it's not like fulfilling in the same like say end all be all. Mm-hmm. It's not that because. Gotcha. I personally will get my mental stimulation for me no matter what. No matter what, because that's, that's what you, exactly. you are. Gotcha. If I'm going to loan out my life and mm-hmm. say, I want you to be in it mm-hmm. as a girl that I'm liking, mm-hmm. you're going to have to bring that too. Right. Because it's not going to say, this, this, can I see the other bottle? Yep. So we have two bottles. So people online who've seen it live will see this in real time. Oh, this is perfect. It's empty. So this is her bottle of mental stimulation for me because mm-hmm. that's my emotional resource. Right. When winter comes for me, I'm bundling up all the things I can learn, right. all the things I can challenge my mind, and that's what I'm taking in for the winter. Right. You know? So this is her bottle. Mm-hmm. This is mine. I got mine. But if I'm going to have the fulfillment of needing this, I want to put something there too because I'm eventually going to drink from this. Right. And if you're going to be there, you got to carry your weight. And right. that goes for whatever. Right. But it's not saying it's the only thing because obviously I'm still going to want to grow who cares about me for other reasons that I'm just a nice person right. or that I'm a hardworking man that'll provide for his significant other or his family, whatever it may be. Right. I want them to love me for that or like me for that. Right. But it's like, 
deep down, we have these things that are gonna make us, why do you think, like say, a person will get in a breakup, right? And the first thing they'll say, I did everything for them, and they still left me. Mm. Mm. They probably did do everything, but guess what? There's certain things that they didn't fulfill, and it's not its not faulting the person that got dumped. It isn't, because they could have been the most loving woman or man, right? but it's just that there was something that they weren't getting. It doesn't make them bad either because unless they like just cheat on them versus expressing it, then that's bad. Right. But if they're going to like try to open up and tell you this and you still can't do it and there's no middle ground, I think that's the term we should use. And instead of end all be all, there should be a middle ground. Gotcha. Because if a girl gives me mental stimulation and it's not necessarily fulfilled like this, I, I can't just be like, oh, get out of here. Right. But people do do that. Right. Whether it's for uh, money, mm-hmm. whether it's for sex, because mm-hmm. there's different reasons why. So... She might want to bundle up for winter with uh, more, like, quality time. And if you're a guy like me who's always on the go, she could love me for my intelligence, my looks, whatever. I'm over six feet, whatever. Uh-huh. Right. But I'm never there. So guess mm. what? And this has really happened to me. Mm. I could say since I've been over 26, since I've had my daughter and been single, that's been the number one reason. Because most people, that's high priority for them. That's one of their biggest Proximity. resources. Pro- there you go. So it's like those resources have to be there. When that when that emotional winter hits, you're gonna need those resources. And that's why I say winter, because winter is what? Seasonal. Right. Cause you're not always gonna be like, I can't believe I'm not getting this from her. Cause there's gonna be times when it's great regardless. Right. Cause you enjoy the other qualities or him, whatever it may be. But it's like there's gonna be a point when that winter comes, and it might necessarily be during winter like it is now, but it'll be a point when it's like, I need something more. So we, when we talk about auditing, what's what do you think would be a good way? Cause I think what you're you're a very self-aware person. Yeah, you know, you know <laughs> what you need to fulfill you. What would be a good way somebody could audit themselves on what that thing is that they need to fulfill them? Because I think a lot of relationships go wrong too because people are they're not self-aware. They're like, oh, this is this is something off. Like, well, if you're self-aware and you know what you need, you'll know you'll be able to pinpoint exactly what's off. So, what would be a good way for someone to audit themselves on what their emotional resources are? I think the easiest way is just to step back and literally say, what am I doing when I'm not doing my obligations? Like, aside from work or school or whatever things you have to do, and mm-hmm. unless that's what it is, then yeah. But if it's not that, step back and say, what do I spend 60% of my day doing? Mm-hmm. When I'm not at work, I'm usually at Taco Tuesday with my girls. Or if I'm not at work, I'm on 2K with my boys. Or if I'm not at work or school, I'm trying to paint a picture. Like, what is the things you actually are giving your energy to? Because if we go by the picket white fence, the 2.5 children, wife at home cooking dinner, which is obviously outdated, but mm-hmm. the point is we set that standard. You know the new trend? Relationship goals. And knowing what I know about human brain, a lot of things make me cringe because I see that stuff and it's like you're you're toxifying your mindset because now you just put this standard that doesn't even exist. Right. And you might need, you don't need the 2.5 kids picket fence, but we all want to get married, right? Mm-hmm. Do we? We might not. Might not. Might not, but right. you were told at three or four or even five, whatever, that's what you do. Right. Be real. As a male, I saw my parents fortunate enough to stay married. They still are married to this day. I think the anniversary just passed, but um, I got to see that. So I grew up with the mindset that that's what I'm supposed to do. Right. And I, I basically did that at one point. I, I wasn't married, but I was with the woman who I was only with her. We had a child. I quit my dreams to work a nine to five as a teacher to pay the bills. I lost that and unfortunately it didn't work out. But guess what? My fulfillment 
was never there. So get I did what was quote unquote right. Mm-hmm. And we give up these 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 schemas that our brain like these schemas of you go to a restaurant, you wait for a waiter, you order food. That that's what you're told to do. Right. And that's how it's supposed to go. But schemas don't work for everything. Right, right. Sometimes right. you gotta break the schema and just know what do I want. I think that's you talked about uh was it evolutionary psychology? Yeah. I think that's part of it though too, is like you know, understanding what was right for your parents might not be right for you. And then and that's why I'm talking about auditing is like, is that truth true for you now? Have you challenged, <laughs> have you challenged the assumption that getting married, having kids, white picket fence is right? I think well, a lot of people it, have it. It, 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 it. As part of being, you know, quote unquote, woke is that, is that, is that you're, you're, you're going against status quo and you're challenging. One thing that I love about you, Nick, is that you're scrutinizing your own beliefs and saying, like, is this is this right for me? So, yeah. So I think a good a good tip we said is just, you know, examining what you, what gives you pleasure outside of the norm and then also challenging the norm at the same time. Like, is this what this could I could I evolve into something else? Could I start the the, the next trend on being whatever? Like I, I co-parent, and it's a great situation because we both understand each other as friends, and we both understand each other's kind of needs as far as it relates to the to the to the child, and we respect each other's outside lives as well. But like to me, that's that's not the white picket fence. That's not the you know. So that co-parenting could could be the new norm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Ooh, co-parenting one right there. Co-parenting could be the new norm. And so it's to me it's establishing now what does that look like? What does the ideal the ideal co-parenting situation look like? What are my emotional needs from my co-parent? What are my what's the uh relationship science behind two co-parents co-parenting and actually it's more than two right because if that person gets with another person and i get another person now we got four people involved so it's like what's the what's the breakdown on that well i guess that's when you go back to evolutionary psychology you got to realize why we're even evolving in the first place procreation and you got to look at why were we even having relationships and you go off of how things change white picket fence that was like the 40s and 50s women couldn't get jobs they couldn't provide for themselves well, they, were, they didn't have equal pay. It was more so, all I was getting at is more so the, uh-huh. the physiological. That's where I'm going gotcha. to with this, and I'm bringing it full circle because when we're in, say, like 1890s, that's not that long ago. That's like 120 years ago. Right. In the 1890s, you're on a, like a farm. You had kids to work the farm, 100%. and you had the daily calorie, calorie expenditure. So we're bringing mm-hmm. the physiological needs now. Mm-hmm. I need 2,000 calories to sustain. I'm not marrying you because I love you. Mm-hmm. If I learn to love you, whatever. Right. Right. But I need to get something from this marriage. And we talk about relationships. The end goal is usually a marriage. So up until maybe the late 19, 1800s to the early 1900s, marriage really, unless you're aristocratic, like royal or higher up noble, mm-hmm. it made no sense to get married unless you were bringing up land or something like that. Right. Because I get something from that. Now, you say how we evolved in 2020 in your co Just so I'll bring it full circle. See? Ready? Ready? Mm-hmm. Ready? So it makes sense now. So you say co-parenting. Mm-hmm. So it's like, if we get married, that means not only do we have a family, whatever, 
we still have those fulfillment of I gotta be your emotional partner too. Right. Which is not saying that shouldn't be done and couldn't be done, right. but your theory is not that far fetched. That's why I wanted to put this out there so mm-hmm. no one listening or watching would be like, ah, he's foolish, whatever. Right. Like, I'm not gonna knock, because like I said, I scrutinize myself. Maybe that is the way to go, because sometimes you just ain't meant to be with someone. Right. You know? And you can say a two parent household is better, you can say it's not. There's a lot of arguments on that, and I'm not mm-hmm. gonna get into that, but the, the goal is like, we we're, we're loving for different reasons now. Right. We don't love for the same reasons. Right. Like, be real. 20 years ago, social media played no factor in relationships. Now we have something. Because people like to say this. I want that old school love, this and that. Men were cheating probably more back then. Right. Know what the difference is? It was easier to get away with it. You could have a family one mile down the road and they would never know about each other. Right. It's 2019, almost 2020. If you have another family down the road... The baby mother is going to post a picture, tag you in it, and within 30 seconds, you're getting a call cursing you out, <laughs> talking about divorce. Right. So is it that we've evolved and changed right. for the better? No, it's just different mechanisms evolving of why we're trying to find love. Mm-hmm. Because I can now marry someone or date someone for love now. I don't have to worry about raising a form because, like you said, women's rights. A woman can work now. Right. She doesn't need me. Right. I don't need her. Right. But that's why the mindset has not evolved with the, the, the technology. Right. And that's where we, I think, fall off and we get this disconnect of boys versus girls. And we're in our 30s now. I'm 31. You're 37. 36. 36. Yeah. So it's like we're playing boys versus girls like we're in third grade. Right. But we're grown. And that's where I think... The fall off is we have not adapted to the new software. We're right. trying to run iPhone 11 software on an iPhone 3. Right. And that's where I think the miscommunication in our brains is messing up dating and relationships because we just not getting it. It's right. not that we're wrong. It's not that we're right. We're just not getting it. We're just operating off of old false premises. Exactly. Not realizing what things are right now. Self-awareness, like <laughs> you said. We got we got to know this. This is getting deeper than rap, man. <laughs> <laughs> Where we at, though? I think we got two more on them. A part of me wants to send this marinade on that, but we got to move on. We got to move hey, on. Hey, we dropping some bombs, man. This we, man we, is we DJ. We got to move on. Uh, what's his name? Who dropped Khaled? Him? I don't know who it was. Clue. DJ Clue. DJ Clue dropped. Drop no, Flex. Flex. DJ Flex. Flex dropped the bomb on him. So he's Flex right now. <laughs> man. Uh, so we just we so just to kind of a recap, kind of what, we, what we've gone through, we've talked about... Uh, Relationship science is, you know, how we, how and why we form relationships. We talked about proximity, uh, how that plays a huge role. Then we talked about uh, the, uh, your book, uh, Three Wishes. Oh, Science of Happily Ever After. Science of Ty Happily Ty Tashiro. Ty Tashiro. Hey, that's, his, that's his guy, man. I, 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 I messaged him some of these thoughts before. I got I got I, I like I gotta, his insight. I got to like, watch that book. I'm, a, I'm not a fanboy at all. Uh-huh. I've met some of the best athletes in the world. I've. I train some of the best athletes mm-hmm. in the world. I train a lot of people that are you people go like really? Right. These are the people that get me. Oh, like, me, me too. Beats. Me too. Me too. No one would know them on the street. Right. But if you're in the field, right. they're the man right. or woman. So then we talked about uh kind of now updating your uh your software, so to speak, on not going with the old premise of relationships were, but like now seeing where the world is now and creating that new program on how to adapt in relationships in 2020, because we're going into 2020. So next, uh, one thing that we had a very good conversation with pre-interview or pre-podcast was game theory and how that <laughs> relates to our relationships. So explain <laughs> first explain what game theory is, so, and then we'll talk about the other I'm parts. very, if, if y'all haven't seen me before on this podcast, I'm very unconventional in everything I do. My brain is like, 
Sidebar, I found out I have ADHD and I've been living with this my whole life. So my brain functions a very crazy way. So it's like game theory is, is a math topic. And you're like, what does math have to do with love and relationships? I'm, I'm, I guess I'm roly-poly because we're bringing this full circle again. So game theory is a field of math that utilizes mathematical formulas and equations to predict human behavior. So it's like psychology meets math. And there's a game theorist named John Nash. He was actually in a movie or based in a movie called A, a Beautiful Mind mm-hmm. with Russell Crowe. Yes. One of my favorite movies. But anyway, he had this one formula or one um, situation called the prisoner's dilemma. So the prisoner's dilemma, basically, I'll give you a, a perfect scenario and I'll go into how this relates to relationships. So me and Tuck just robbed the bank. Let's go. We think we're getting away with a million dollars. We so we smart. We too smart individuals. We strong. We fast. We get away with this. We get caught. Mm. They take us in separate rooms. They sit me in a room, say, hey, Nick, we got Tuck, your boy, right? He's in another room. But we're going to give you a, an option. Mm. So listen closely how this works. So if you snitch on Tuck and he doesn't snitch on you, you're free to go. You're out of here. But if you don't snitch on Tuck and he snitches on you, you got 10 years. All right? That's one option. Or... If you both don't snitch, you get five years. If you snitch on each other, you get two years. Now, those different scenarios play out differently, but there is some that are better than others. Right. So if I snitch on Tuck, he doesn't snitch on me. I'm, I'm free to go today. I'm gone. I'm good. He's doing that hard time. If he snitches on me and I don't snitch, I'm doing a 10-year bid by myself while he's living it up on the outside. If we snitch on each other... While it sucks to rat out a friend, we both only do two years. Right. Or five years, I'm sorry. We're good. But those options are basically given because one or others are a bit more beneficial. So bring it to relationships. So I use the term is good men or good women don't snitch. So the not snitching in relationship terms would be, okay, I'm going to take care of his baggage. I'm not going to mind that he comes with this xyz or i'm going to do for him regardless because you're you're pretty much giving up your freedom in a sense not freedom but your things so you can make them better so that's the snit not snitching part but the thing is if they don't reciprocate that and they snitch on you meaning putting their needs first guess what you get that 10-year prison so your 10-year prison sentence is heartbreak maybe Mm -hmm. or maybe not heartbreak but getting cheated on Mm -hmm. or Maybe it's not heartbreak or getting cheated on, but you're just unfulfilled in a relationship. Mm-hmm. So by game theory logic, the best option is always usually to go with the one that benefits you the most. Because regardless of what the other person chooses. So say if you switch it up in a scenario when you do choose not to snitch and they happen not to snitch either, it works out. So this could be like saying, okay, it's a holiday or a Valentine's Day. He remembered. I remember. We do good. I do good. Or Something that came up, we agree on something, we had difference on, we both. So that's us both coming to terms, snitching on each other, not snitching on each other. Right. But that might not always happen. Right. And sometimes in a bad relationship, it's going to happen more incongruent than like you would like. So if you catch yourself not snitching all the time, being the G-code, as we call it, where we at, <laughs> then you're going to get left hanging because they're out there singing like a bird. Mm-hmm. So when you ask things like, why are guys dogs? Maybe it's just more beneficial. Or why did she not think about how I would feel? Because it served her better. And once again, I don't want to make this a me versus you, him versus her, good versus bad, but more so understanding, once again, self-awareness. Why do we do certain behaviors? Human behavior, right. Self-preservation. Going back to evolution psychology. Evolution's meaning. How can I keep my 
presence, whether it be biologically or psychology, alive. Mm. That could be through genes or through means. Or emotional health. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. psychology. So, yeah. Right. So, you heard the word means, right? Yes. A lot of people don't know what that word actually means. You remember the actual meme? term? Uh-uh. So, people think it's like pictures and videos. Right. So, a meme is actually a meme, if that makes sense. A meme is how you pass down social cues or mm. mental cues. So, think about a gene. If I have sex with women and we have a baby, our genes are passed through the baby. Got you. Right? So, now we still live. And that's how evolution works. Because mm. people think evolution means we came from gorillas. That's not That's what it's about. It's about how our biology has come through millennia. Mm. Like, we have so many descendants. Like, if you talk from the first humans, you're talking about uh, one in four quadrillion odds of you even being born. Right. So, us just being here is a miraculous. So, feel good. Clap it up for yourself today. Because it's a four in, one in four quadrillion odds of you even being born. Wow. And you're standing here. So, quick uh, mindset motivation for, for you right there. Slide that in. But, yeah. So, game theory is kind of explaining, like, in a sense... Tit for tat, going back and forth. If I want to ensure my mental or psychological well-being and relationship keeps going, I'm probably going to have to bet on me. This is why people get ghosted. People say, why did he or she ghost me? Because it was better for him or her to just say, I'm just going to walk away from this. We have something I call micro breakups. Mm-hmm. You're breaking up with a person you ain't even met. Right. I've used dating apps in the past. They were bad for my mental health. I hated it. There's girls probably watching this on my Instagram live that uh-huh. left me hanging. Yeah, I'm being petty. But the point is... <laughs> Like, it's kind of messed up, but it isn't because, like I said, tit for tat. What's better option? Me worry about what he or she might say back if I tell them, you know what? I just not feeling you. It might backlash and hurt them. Not physically, but just emotionally. So you, you brought up gay theory. You got me. You got my mind boiling over. So in respects to cheating and infidelity and game theory, <laughs> so are you saying if a man or a woman cheats... They're, they're saying that that's in their best option. If they, so if I do cheat and I get caught, oh, okay. and I don't cheat and get caught, I don't cheat, but he cheats. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it can be. Do you good, think, do you think is, is that's part of the subconscious thing yes, that they're going on in their minds? I don't think many people do cheat for like selfish, I just want to get something new. But I think some people cheat for the simple fact that it's an option. Proximity. Right. Like, if you work, let's be real. We spend, most of us, we're mm-hmm. fortunate enough to have our entrepreneurial lifestyles, but most people work 40 hours a week, five, hour, five days a week, eight hours a day. Right. You spend more time with your, your coworkers, coworkers than you do, do with your girlfriend or your boyfriend. So, you can't tell me, I'm going to spend 40 straight hours with another person that may fill my emotional resources. Mm. And let's say for a brief second you weren't. Does it make me good or bad? I'll say you more on the bad side. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. But to to play devil's advocate, can you blame someone because on the vice versa, that person they cheated on has someone like that too? Right. Let's be honest. We have relationships, but we have self conscious and awareness to know that we're not supposed to do anything outside of that. Right. That's where we. That's where we stop ourselves. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day. If I'm in a relationship and I work with a girl who's beautiful, in my eyes at least, who's smart or fills that void, or not void, but that capacity, that, that resource I want, am I wrong for liking her? No. But we're told, once again, these schemas, mm-hmm. you're wrong. And now you have this conflict in your head that, I like this girl. And that brews up. Like you said, it boils up in you. It's like, but I know I shouldn't do nothing with her. And it's kind of like taints you in the sense of like, it's forbidden fruit. And guess what? What happens, we don't want to, we're told not to do something. We want to do, do it more. We want to do it more. So... 
not justifying it. I'm, I'm being devil's advocate on the shoulder right now, mm-hmm. but it's saying like, is it really bad to like someone else? No. Is it bad to cheat on someone? Yes. But you got to know the boundaries. Like, if I have a girl I work with that we connect on a lot of things, we're in the same things, mm-hmm. I, I, it should stop at that. Hey, brain science. Ha, ha, ha. Oh, you like this video? Ha, ha, ha. It should never be a, hey, you want to go get dinner? Because I know, because that's where self-choice comes in. Right. I know good what I like her. So if I go to that room, I'm inviting the potential once again, of the mm. what can be self-awareness. That, that's, that's on me now, and that's self-awareness again. Exactly, too. and I think that's where we're lacking. That goes back to the beginning. We're not checking ourselves on what we really are. Most people right now watching this, and it's not a shock because I was this person, but I was fortunate at a young age. Like I could say, early as like six years old, I knew what I was, mm-hmm. who I was. People see me now as like Nick, you're ambitious. Anyone who's known me as a kid, that's my brother, that's my closest friends who's known me for twenty plus years. I was thinking like this at five and six. Right. I was called weird. And I was a jock, so it's like I, I had clout, but it's like I would get clowned still, but they wouldn't check it bully me because I was usually the biggest person in class. But it was like, you're weird, Nick. <laughs> right. Cause these theories, I would think about I wrote poems about love when I was like six. I won a contest when I was in third grade for poetry about the, the gift of love, I called it. So this field was actually what I was trying to be before I got into so all those who see the lights and all that stuff. That's part of some of my body one, but my background is really on how we are as people. I so do you do you think though back back with cheating? I'm talking a lot about cheating. <laughs> but but uh, but uh, I know I don't want this to turn into a, uh, a session. But I, I my hypothesis would be is that when that decision is made, game theory is applied subconsciously. Because I, I'm not going to sit here and lie and be like, I've been the most faithful in every single relationship, but I can, and this is what got me on this topic is I'm thinking about, hmm, this, I like this person. I'm a, I'm in a relationship. I wonder if my significant other has a person like that in their life too. The person that they work with, that guy that's always talking to her at work or saying, bye, Julie, you know? Uh, uh, Yes. Yes, yes. <laughs> so no, but that was just got me into thinking it because I think what what we're, what we're really saying with game theory is this: this is how sometimes we subconsciously make decisions. When they say "don't snitch," well, if you put an actual gangster what in do, that situation. What yeah, what is the right. best outcome? If I do snitch, I'm free. Right. But then I get shot in the street. Like, right, so maybe well, I'll snitch G, and move. She, <laughs> right. I get caught, and now she hates me, and she'll never trust me again. Right. So we, we, I think we run these scenarios through our minds subconsciously before we actually do That's it without really realizing. Running those formulas, <laughs> compute, nope, compute, man, which makes me even think that we're more computerized than than ever. Computer science is literally based off brain science. Wow, think about it. Literally, like the motherboard, all that, the processor, RAM, memory. <laughs> It, they literally made computer science based off how we input information output, but that that that's a whole different topic. Right. I don't have enough information on that to tell. <laughs> so, so the next thing we we kind of talked about was personality theory. Was that? Yeah, the big five factor model. The five factor model of personality theory. Now, the the context on this is compatibility, right? Yeah. So, so making sure that I guess it brings it all full circle because we talked about what you need qualities, but now we're talking about who you are now. So right. behaviors to behaviors make up the person. So this is kind of like what makes up the person. So I guess this brings it all together. And now this spells out ocean, correct? Yes. It's an acronym or canoe. 
Yeah, yeah, it's actually spelled canoe too, but I, I use ocean. Some people use canoe. Okay. So the big five factor is a theory. So let's backtrack. Personalities also is used a lot in relationships. I want a guy with a nice personality, or I want a girl with a nice person, whatever. Personality gets used more colloquially in pop psychology. Um, you hear things like the Myers-Briggs, or um, what color are you, or things like that. And not to knock those, because a lot of those things are made out of fun. Myers-Briggs actually was used more seriously and it still gets used to this day, but there's a lot of researchers saying that we should take it with a grain of salt because there are different types of personality mm -hmm. theory. There's type and then there's tra trait. So type is more like, this is what you are. So if you use introverted, I'm an introvert, that's all you are, meaning you just don't do well or like social situations. But in the real world, we have to go in social situations. So logically speaking, it should be a trait, meaning there's a spectrum right. from one side to the other. Right. And you fall somewhere on there. So that's why the big five uh, holds more validity because it's been used in so many audiences and cultures that it's carried consistency and reliability. So we know these traits should carry over regardless who it is. So we'll go over each That's one. That's not, you're not all of this. You're somewhere, yeah. like you said, you're you somewhere, somewhere on the spectrum. Because I think too, like, uh, you know, you talked about Myers-Briggs, you talked about color, but also Myers -Briggs like- Myers-Briggs is saturated But also like sites. astrology is like, oh, he's a Taurus, mm. he's stubborn. See, astrology, I'm not even going there. <laughs> I know a lot of people <laughs> live by that, I ain't going there. But like, but, but yes, I might be stubborn, but I might not be stubborn in everything. Yeah, so, so it's exactly. like, it's, so I, I like this it's because- Astrology is a type theory. Right, it's a type theory, right. All right, so uh, let's talk about the O in the ocean. So I'll go over all five first, and then I'll go each one. So O is for openness to experience. C is for conscientiousness. E is for extroversion. A is for agreeableness. And N is for neuroticism. So O. So I'm briefly going over each one, and we'll see how this applies. So open to experience just doesn't mean try new things per se. It's more so, are you trying things that are like more out the norm, like saying trying new music? Uh, going to an opera, a museum. Not necessarily those things specifically, but things that are not typical. Like say, go and get beers with your friends at the club. That's Sounds not really big. a new experience. Like right. it's, it's opening your experiences in a sense, but it's not like different broader spectrum of right. what you need to know. So that's what open to experience is. Um, conscientiousness is your ability to stay on target for a goal, organize, plan. So someone who's high in consciousness is going to be like, okay, I'm going to set out the day I'm going, the time I leave, time I get back, and they're going to follow through. Mm -hmm. Someone who's low on that, they're going to be more so, well, hopefully I can get it in order. If it falls into place, it does. If it don't, hey. Right. Um, extroversion. This gets misconstrued a lot, too, because people think of it as like just being social. It's not necessarily being social, it's being energetic, being fulfilled from social situations. Because if you're high in extroversion, you get a good uh, feeling when you're able to speak around people, be around people, be the life, not necessarily life party, but of the party, versus an introverted person. They can still be at the party, but they're gonna be more so, this This is not really where I want to be. I could better off be somewhere else. Um, agreeableness is being able to come to a, a, a middle ground kind of like saying even if we have two different opinions i'm higher on agreeableness i'm going to be able to say you know what let's figure out how to solve this in a way that we don't have to be at each other's head and